Hey there, my name is Allie, and welcome to A Noble Earthquake, a podcast about California history. At the end of September, my boyfriend and I took a trip down to LA to visit some friends and go to Disneyland. Um, Other than flying there, the quickest way to get there from the Bay Area at the moment is to drive. And we took the fastest route, which is also the most boring route, down I-5. And getting to I-5 from where we currently live requires driving south down 101 before heading east on Pacheco Pass Road. And as we were driving down 101 very early on a Friday morning, my boyfriend made it a point to roll down the windows and he asked if I noticed anything about the smell. Dudes, at like 7 a.m., the air was thick with the scent of garlic. So in order to get to Pacheco Pass, you have to drive straight through the city of Gilroy, California. And I've heard of this city in passing because it's the last stop on the commuter train that runs through San Jose, and because my boyfriend's mom has mentioned the Garlic Festival in Gilroy several times since we've moved here. But why? Why does Gilroy have a garlic festival? How did something like this come about? How did Gilroy become one of the top producers of garlic in the world? And just like, how, what, garlic? Obviously, I had a lot of questions, and so obviously it became a podcast episode. Gilroy, like so many towns in the Bay Area, was first settled in the early 1800s as a farming community. And like so many of its neighbors, it saw a boost in population in the wake of the gold rush. This increase in population meant a higher demand for grain and fertile land, which contributed not only to the growth of Gilroy, but of the Santa Clara Valley overall as an agricultural center in the newly minted state of California. It was once a stagecoach stop along the road from San Jose to Monterey and was incorporated in 1868. Gilroy saw even more expansion when the railroad arrived in March of 1869, bringing with it commercial growth and opportunity. When the construction of the Transcontinental Railroad was completed, many of the displaced Chinese immigrants that had been forcibly brought over to construct the railroad moved to Gilroy, diversifying an otherwise Anglo-European town. Farmers and businessmen quickly took advantage of the new arrivals, hiring them to work in the grain, tobacco, fruit, and seeding industries. And of course, while the town grew with the help of these Chinese immigrants in the early 1900s, there also came a wave of anti-Chinese and anti-immigrant sentiment sweeping not only through California, but throughout the country. The Chinese neighborhood of Gilroy suffered a severe fire in the early 1900s, and this forced many of the residents to move either to San Francisco or to San Jose and basically leave Gilroy. In their absence, Japanese immigrants began to move into town. Because they weren't citizens, they couldn't legally own land and eventually ended up becoming tenant farmers. And they came in the midst of this anti-immigrant wave that was taking hold in 20th century America because they wanted a new life here. And it's interesting how history tends to repeat itself, isn't it? 
There were many farms in Gilroy and the surrounding area because of its moderate climate, which in many ways is very similar to the climate in the southern Mediterranean. Italian immigrants that chose to move west instead of settle in eastern cities like New York and Boston were able to grow many of the crops they had grown back in Italy, including a staple of Italian cooking, garlic. But the Italians in Gilroy were really only growing garlic for personal use in home cooking. Even in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the scent of garlic as it was being harvested was something that many Anglo-Americans thought was, well, gross. Which, I don't, how can you feel this way about garlic? Garlic is amazing. It should be in everything. It makes your cooking so much better. Spoiler alert, I'm Italian. But the first person to start growing garlic commercially was not an Italian immigrant. He was actually a Japanese immigrant named Kiyoshi Hirosaki. Hirosaki was born on March 1st, 1900 in Kumamoto on the island of Kyushu. He immigrated to California in 1914, went to school, and began working as a laborer in Milpitas with his brother and father at the Kimberlin Seed Company. He cultivated onion and carrot seeds, which, like, side note, didn't even realize that seeds were like an industry that you could be a part of. I don't know why I didn't realize that, but like, fascinating. After he married, Hirosaki moved to San Jose to open up his own seed shop, and eventually he purchased his own 400 acres of farmland to the south in Gilroy. While he grew a variety of crops and maintained his seed cultivation, what he became known for was his garlic, and eventually his farm grew to 1,600 acres. Hirosaki was an involved member of the Gilroy community and helped his neighbors during the depression of the 1930s by providing them with jobs and food. However, even this pillar of the community could not escape the aftershock of Pearl Harbor, and in 1942, Hirosaki was forcibly moved to an internment camp called Fort Lincoln in Bismarck, North Dakota, while his family was voluntarily, said with air quotes, taken south to Grand Junction, Colorado. And from everything that I've read, it sounds like a neighbor in Gilroy maintained the garlic farm during this time period. So when the Hirosakis were eventually reunited and returned to Gilroy after the war, they were able to return to the farm and pick up business as usual, which I don't know that that happened very often after World War II. And I do want to point out that the subject of Japanese internment during World War II is something that I really don't have a lot of exposure to because growing up in Massachusetts, we just didn't focus on that part of the war when we talked about it in history, if we even made it to World War II. Um, but it's a subject that deserves several episodes to really dive in and discuss and explore. And, and, and you know, especially with everything that's going on today, it's, it's something that we should talk about. Um, so while this piece right here might seem like I'm just passing over it, uh, please know it's a subject I plan to return to and explore in depth. As you might be aware, garlic has a particularly pungent smell, which is only amplified when thousands of tons of it are being harvested, dehydrated, and processed for commercial distribution and use. During the summer harvest here, if the winds are right, the scent of garlic can reach all the way up to San Jose. And while I'm all about that smell, a lot of people just aren't. And this was, again, especially the case throughout the 19th and early 20th centuries, when many people actually like flat out refused to cook with garlic. People disliked garlic because it caused bad breath, it smelled bad, 
and the locals living in Gilroy were actually embarrassed that their staple product was disliked by so many people. Um, The city used to be a place people actually just passed right through on 101, probably with their windows rolled up, and the people in the surrounding towns and cities would complain about the smell during harvest. So the question is, what do you do when the crop that maintains so much of your economic industry is also the thing that keeps people from visiting your town? Like, how do you turn that from a negative into a positive? Guys, how Gilroy turned this into a positive is such a cool story. In the 1970s, a man named Dr. Rudy Malone moved to Gilroy and became a member of the local Rotary Club, helping to find new avenues for fundraising for community organizations. Malone had heard of the Garlic Festival held annually in Arleau, France, and recognized that Gilroy had the potential for a similar event if they spun it the right way. To get support for his idea, Malone partnered with Don Christopher of Christopher Ranch to petition the local Rotary Club for a Gilroy Garlic Festival. They asked local chef Val Felice to prepare a few dishes featuring garlic to serve at a luncheon for the Rotary Club and invited a few local media and food writers. And while everybody in the room had a few reservations about the event, overall, the town was open to giving the festival a shot. Malone started marketing Gilroy as the garlic capital of the world as part of his campaign to attract people to the event. The first festival was held over the weekend of August 4th and 5th, 1979, towards the end of the harvest season, so you can imagine the smell. Wonderful! The city was expecting somewhere between five and 10,000 people to show up, but over 15,000 individuals from all over the Bay Area and probably beyond arrived at Bloomfield Ranch that weekend. Beer, seafood, tickets, everything ran out much faster than anticipated, which meant the organizers were running around the area, sometimes all the way down to Monterey, to gather more supplies to keep visitors happy and full of food. The event was a complete and instant success, and according to the festival's official website, the proceeds from this first event generated $19,000 that went back into the community of Gilroy. The festival has grown quite a bit since it first started in 1979 and has raised over $11 million for local schools and nonprofits. Today's big hits at the Gilroy Garlic Festival include the Great Garlic Cook-Off, garlic french fries and ice cream, and an expanded arts and crafts and children's area, plus a lineup of local musical talent. Val Felice, the local chef that was brought in by Malone and Christopher, and who managed the festival's Gourmet Alley, which is where you can go and get all of the food you'd ever want to eat, stated that the festival was so successful because people simply didn't know how to cook with garlic. And the Garlic Festival created a setting that allowed their curiosity to be explored. Festival goers could sample dozens of dishes that featured the local Stinking Rose, which is a horrible name for a food item, and they could learn how to prepare garlic in their own home cooking. Through the success of the festival, Gilroy was able to completely flip the script on garlic by creating an event that celebrated it. This also helped bring garlic into mainstream acceptance. The festival helped Gilroy create a cultural identity otherwise missing from its historical narrative. While some towns use local folklore as a touchpoint for tourism like Salem, Gilroy didn't really have anything going for it in that vein until the Garlic Festival was created. 
Garlic is one of the oldest known horticultural crops grown in the world, with the bulbs being found in ancient Egyptian tombs. Dude, that's rad. Its center of origin, which is the only place where garlic can naturally grow wild without any human intervention, is in Central Asia. And 2.5 million acres of garlic can produce roughly 10 million metric tons of garlic that can be distributed globally. And much of that garlic comes from Gilroy's Christopher Ranch, which is one of the largest distributors of garlic in the world. And I found an interesting aside on the USDA's webpage about garlic. Um, The end of the article mentions that garlic is this very understudied piece of agriculture and states, quote, a better understanding of garlic's origins and distribution may help us better understand not only garlic, but perhaps our own human history. And not only do I just love that comment because it just brings together this idea of like food as part of human history, which is so true, um, more on that in a second, but I can't help but agree with it considering how much garlic has globally pervaded folklore over the centuries. And speaking of folklore, this wouldn't be a vaguely Halloween-themed episode without talking about some of the folklore surrounding garlic. Y'all knew this was coming, don't even. It's been used for medicinal purposes dating back to 1500 BCE. Roman soldiers chewed cloves before battle, believing it would increase their strength and stamina. Uh, Slavs believed it would protect against snake bites, and African fishermen thought it would protect them from crocodiles. And in some cultures, it's believed that garlic is a powerful aphrodisiac. In ancient Greece, garlic was used as an offering to the Greek goddess Hecate, who was usually associated with magic and witchcraft. Um, Hanging garlic was supposed to ward off evil spirits, and of course it was believed to ward off vampires, demons, werewolves. Pretty much any demonic entity, garlic would probably be part of the spell to ward them off. Um, I found this interesting. In World War I, garlic was used to dress wounds, abscesses, boils, and I'm not really sure where these soldiers were getting their hands on any garlic while they were in the trenches. But I guess if you're in France, at least they might have found some locally grown and made sure to pick it, or the doctors did. Um, It's definitely an interesting use of the plant. And to this day, garlic is still believed to have antibacterial and antifungal properties, as well as a cure for heart disease, headaches, and cancer. And as one of my favorite podcasts, Sawbones, would put it, garlic was believed to be a cure-all so it really wouldn't cure anything. So that's going to do it for this episode of A Noble Earthquake. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your patience. I know this episode is pretty late. Uh, I got a job, um, so going forward, I'm planning on releasing one episode a month, unless I can get a backlog going, which is definitely a possibility, but it's not something I want to promise. So for now... New episodes will drop on the third Sunday of every month. So the next one should come out in November on the 19th. Uh, Before I go, I want to say thank you to my friend Claire Hopkins for helping me with some of the agricultural research around garlic. 
Claire has her own video series on YouTube called Brilliant Botany. I would highly recommend checking it out. It's a really, really, really well done series. Um, if you're interested in learning more about plant life and botany, um, definitely give it a viewing. I also want to highly recommend this book that I used for a lot of research on garlic and Gilroy. It is called Garlic Capital of the World, Gilroy Garlic and the Making of a Festive Foodscape. And it's by Pauline Adema. It's a fascinating study on specifically Gilroy and how it developed its garlic festival and how, you know, it took this idea of a negative narrative of garlic and turned it into something positive and something that is an economic engine for the city now. Um, but it's also a fascinating look into the connection between food and nostalgia and placemaking and history. So if any of those things interest you, and if you want to be hungry like the entire time you're reading it, I would recommend picking it up. So thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and has a spectacular Halloween.